0: The information provided on this podcast is not legal advice and is intended for the sole purpose of providing education and legal information. Laws change over time, and the information provided on this podcast may not be up to date. We make no warranty, express or implied, regarding the information provided by our team or our guests on this podcast. The information should not be construed as legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship with us or any of our guests on the podcast. If you would like to consult with an attorney, please call 1-800-VICTIMS. That's 1-800-842-8467 for attorney referral contact information. This podcast provides a platform for the exchange of ideas and information to help educate crime victims on their rights. Some content will include topics and materials that may involve descriptions of violence or assaults which can be distressing to victims and survivors. It may also impact service providers experiencing vicarious trauma. Podcasting from the Victims of Crime Resource Center, this is Season 2 of Knowledge is Power, Victim to Survivor a podcast series where we help crime victims understand their rights so they can go from victims to survivors. On this episode, we'll discuss the services provided by Waymakers with Lita Mercado. Welcome in, everyone. It's me once again, your humble host, Nima Malavi, with the Victims of Crime Resource Center. And today it's my pleasure to welcome Lita Mercado into the podcast. Lita is the Director of Victim Assistance Programs for Waymakers. Lita, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us here today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Nina. I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. Can you please share a little uh, about the history and the mission of Waymakers?
1: Yes, absolutely. Waymakers was actually founded in 1972. We've been around for over 40 years and are a large nonprofit here in Orange County. We began our work, actually, by providing services to at-risk youth who were getting in trouble with the law and needed diversion programming. So our history is really rooted in youth violence prevention. But six years later, our victim assistance programs began. Along with the entire state of California, victim witness programs began emerging, Um, across the state. And since Waymakers was already established here in Orange County, we were lucky enough to get the contract for victim witness programming, which makes us really unique in that we are a nonprofit serving this community. We're actually only one of two counties in the entire state that provide victim witness services through a nonprofit. So our goal is to alleviate the trauma and devastating effects of crime victimization on our victims and survivors. But in addition to our victim assistance programs, we have broader nonprofits um, continuing to serve the at-risk youth, and we also run youth shelters and provide counseling services for families in crisis. So we're lucky in in the fact that Even though I run the victim assistance programs and my unit is dedicated to that community, we have in-house other resources that can provide truly holistic services for families in need.
0: How long has Waymakers been in operation? I know you mentioned the 1970s, correct?
1: Yeah, so really over 40 years. And in uh, 1978, we began our victim assistance programs. And our evolution has been, you know, very exciting and unique in as much as, uh, as a nonprofit, we have the flexibility to access funding and, you know, create programming based on the needs of our community. So we have built additional, unique, uniquely. Uh, designed programs throughout these decades, you know. So in the 80s, we began a gang victim service unit to help provide services to victims of gang violence. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in the 90s, we began our domestic violence program. Um, In 2010, we began our human trafficking program. So over the decades, we've been able to add specialized units that really create specific... Uh, programming and specific resources to victims of violent crime, depending on, you know, what has happened to them or what community they belong to, really creating the best practice model for those clients who um, reach out to us to receive services.
0: That's wonderful. Well, um, so, so what benefits and services can crime victims receive when contacting Waymakers?
1: So, we do provide the traditional victim witness uh, program services, which include crisis intervention, helping clients understand what's happening in the criminal justice system. We do provide in-person accompaniment, and so we can uh, go with clients to court. We've actually sat in the witness booth right beside them to support them in some cases we provide accompaniment to forensic medical exams and to law enforcement interviews, of course, doing a lot of resourcing and referring to other professionals that can assist. Some things that are more unique to our services than traditional victim witness is that we also do some what what we call crisis response in the field. Um, We have teams who are trained on providing death notifications so law enforcement will use that team uh, to um, help with delivering death notifications in a supportive and trauma-informed way we have teams who will respond uh, to family assistance centers when there are mass victimization um, incidents so for example uh, in february this year we had a very large fire that burned down an entire apartment complex Uh, Mm -hmm. the perpetrator it was an arson the perpetrator was arrested but what occurred is a little over 100 people um, in the middle of the night and literally whatever they were wearing um, became homeless so our crisis response team worked in conjunction with the red cross to um, to staff the family assistance center and ensure that all of those Survivors were receiving support and continue to receive support from
0: us. Mm -hmm. Will audience members be responsible for paying any fees or or any charges when receiving services uh, from Waymakers?
1: No, absolutely not. We are fully funded to provide victim services um, for all victims of violent crime, and there are no requirements for any fees or charges.
0: Must victims uh, meet any eligibility requirements to receive services from Waymakers?
1: So the only eligibility requirement is that they are a victim of a violent crime. There are certain programs that we have access to that have additional requirements. For example, the state's California uh, Compensation Board, Mm -hmm. we do assist victims with applying to that. Program And that particular program has some specific requirements with regards to uh, cooperating with law enforcement um, and the like. But for Mm -hmm. Waymaker Services, we simply need to know if there was uh, a crime victimization that has occurred, and then we can insert services. And in some cases, we don't require um, even a a police report. So, for example, our sexual assault program, uh, we do not require that any type of report even have been made for a sexual assault survivor to um, access services. So depending on the scenario, um, we can be even more flexible with, you know, how it's even determined that someone is a victim of a violent crime. We try to do that, you know, in the most trauma informed and victim centered way, um, but that's really the the minimum standard is, um, unfortunately, we're coming across folks. We reach out to folks and they reach out to us Uh, when something violent has happened to them or their Mm -hmm. family members, and we do everything that we can to assist from that point.
0: Are there any any eligibility requirements based on the type of crime or the the victim's income level?
1: No. So our services don't require any information on um, income level. They don't require any information on, you know, immigration status, nothing of that type for Waymakers purposes. Again, we really just focus on if a violent crime has occurred, we fold in to do an assessment to determine what the victim um, survivor may need, what they want, and what we have the ability to provide them with. There are, again, some programs that do require some information on um, income and documentation status, and Mm -hmm. we Explore those as we explore any option, but to receive services from Waymakers such as our crisis intervention and our resources and Accompaniment all we need to know is if this is a victim of a violent crime and we're able to fold in automatically regardless of any other information
0: I see is way so you mentioned I, I know before in a previous answer that waymakers um, provides community-based uh, help but, but can you can you explain is it a government-based organization or is it a community-based organization
1: yeah I think that's an important question so we are a community-based organization now um, and, and so as a nonprofit we're able to access funding in a wide variety of ways we do receive uh, government government uh, government funds. So the California Mm -hmm. office of emergency services, for example, uh, they fund victim witness programs across the state and we are the implementing agency for that grant. So we do have government based grant funding, but as a nonprofit, um, as I mentioned before, we have an enormous amount of flexibility uh, to go beyond what, uh, government funding could allow. For example, the, um, our sexual assault program, for example. You mm-hmm. know, we're able to um, extend a prevention program that is not government-funded um, and be able to seek opportunities to grow that program to create, you know, a safer environment. in, in Orange County, we do awareness uh, presentations. We've created mm-hmm. public service campaigns. So, uh, so we're definitely community-based, which makes us uh, certainly unique from our sister agencies.
0: I see why 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 you say that. Yeah, that that's a, um, a very interesting dynamic between being a community-based um, organization and also providing um, traditionally what would be uh, government services with uh, victim assistance type assist uh, ty- type help. From the from a victim standpoint, what are the pros and cons between contacting a government-based organization and then contacting a community-based organization?
1: Sure. Well. Probably is not surprising to know that I think there are a lot of pros <laughs> to mm-hmm. contacting a community-based agency. So I'll start with that in the sense, um, you know, beyond what I've shared already before in terms of funding, um, that, that does impact victim services because we are able to create specific victim units, as I mentioned before. So what we're able to do is we're able to hire staff specifically for a victim population. So I'll use our, um, our gang victim services as an example. So mm-hmm. we have a unit of uh, bilingual staff, bilingual Spanish English and Vietnamese English, and uh, they are specifically hired and trained to provide a really unique service to victims of gang violence. And while this doesn't always mean that the crime victimization is happening in the uh, gang prone communities, um, it does happen often. And so these amazing people are trained, um, you know, they're 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 trained in understanding these communities that are significantly impacted by gangs in their community. So if someone is a victim of gang violence, what does it mean for them to cooperate with law enforcement but still live in the community where uh, other gang members may still be uh, may still be you know on the streets and mm-hmm. live next door to them. And so we have uniquely trained folks who can work in that community, who build relationships. Um, they do a lot of field work. As a matter of fact, that's the team that also provides death notifications. Because what mm-hmm. we've learned is uh, often law enforcement and communities in gang crimes, the communities don't want to speak to law enforcement for a wide variety of reasons. And inserting a community-based team that it doesn't work for law enforcement. We don't look work for the DA's office. You know, we don't work for the government. We just go in there, and our entire purpose is to provide services to the victim and the community so we can work with the victims and their surviving family members, and they're able to feel safe in doing so because they're not seen as talking to the police, and so this mm-hmm. creates a safer environment. And as a nonprofit, we're able to do that where, you know, my uh, sister victim witness programs don't have that advantage because even though they work for victim services, you know, they have a county badge and they do work for the government and it does change the relationship between the community and the service providers. So we're really grateful for for that advantage, we also have family justice centers. We have two in Orange County, so we have staff that are located inside those centers, and it creates this really wonderful collaborative working relationship between us and our law enforcement partners, us and the DA's office, and so we're really able to have the best of both worlds. Right? We we don't work, you know, we don't work for law enforcement or the DA's office, and so often that uh, helps to alleviate some concerns that um, our victims may have again for a wide variety of reasons Um, but Mm -hmm. we're able to negotiate access to information from our law enforcement partners and our da's office so victims aren't left um, totally without information but before i came to waymakers i worked for a rape crisis center in another county uh, community-based wonderful Mm -hmm. amazing program and um, when i started working at waymakers I saw right away the advantages of the of our public private partnerships with our teams, because Mm -hmm. before um, at the Rape Crisis Center, um, we didn't have this relationship with law enforcement or the DA's office. So there was a lot of hesitancy to share information with us, which then meant that our victims didn't have access to information. But now that I'm here with Waymakers and we do have these positive relationships, we're able to get police reports you know sent to the state um in a way that i wasn't able to do before we're able to get court status updates and regularly communicate with the da's office to you know determine restitution so it really is um you know a blessing Mm -hmm. down here in orange county that we have these relationships that truly you know began in the early '70s, and so at this point, we're just taking advantage of these long standing traditions of collaborative work. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would say the cons may just simply be in authority. You know, you know, we there is a, a power differential between, you know, myself and my nonprofit staff and our county service provider, I'm, I'm sorry, our county um, DA's office and law mm-hmm. enforcement. Right? I can't. I can't call sure. up my DA's office or law enforcement and, you know, say I need them to do something. I I have no authority over them. Uh, So the power differential can be complicated, but I honestly am not sure that that's any different than a county-based program. And so um, I don't think that there's a true disadvantage in that. Um, And if there is any, it's definitely, you know, over um, the fact that we have a relationship with the DA's office in law enforcement it definitely takes precedence and we're able to get a lot of assistance and support for our clients in ways that I think those people who are only in a, in a nonprofit that don't work collaboratively with their government agencies and in a better way than those agencies that are just government based.
0: No, I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I certainly see the advantage, especially in the example you provided with a victim of, uh, let's say, gang violence and how it could be a, a tremendous benefit in being a community-based organization. I think it was a, a very um, wonderful example that, that you provided there. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: That's all the time we have for today's episode. Please join us on our next episode for part two of the discussion. Thanks for listening. Now that you've heard the show, please take a moment to rate and review it. And if you have any questions about any of the information you heard today, you can reach the Victims of Crime Resource Center at 1-800-842-8467. Or you can reach us online at 1-800-victims.org or Facebook at Victims of Crime Resource Center or Twitter at 1-800-victims. If you haven't had a chance, please take a look at some of the other episodes in our series. Thanks for listening.